0: You are listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got
1: all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Tayshia's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve.
2: up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 209. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in this week. Another great show for you. For the first time together as a duo from the Here to Make Friends podcast and the Huffington Post, it is Emma Gray and Claire Fallon. Emma has been on in the past, Claire has not. So this is the first time we have them on together. I hope you will uh, enjoy this interview. Before we get started, a few notes to go over. The Live that I did with Ashley Spivey last night is up on my Instagram account. I get asked about it every week. I missed the live. How can I watch it? I know I've said this probably 10 times, but I'm just going to keep saying it. If you go to my Instagram account and you click on that little TV icon, that's my IGTV page. Every single one of the lives that Ashley and I have done since May is up there except for the one from three weeks ago, for whatever reason, it just didn't upload. I don't know why, but, it's up there. Last night's is up there. We talk about a lot of the stuff uh, that went on in Tuesday's episode. Talk a little um, finale stuff for Tasha. There are some spoilers in there um, in terms of my, uh, you know, where I'm at with uh, Tasha's finale and what happens at the end. So be prepared for that. And there are some things talked about in the last night's live that you'll hear me talk with Emma and Claire about. So look forward to that. Also, we got our first touch of Matt James season with the clip promo, 30-second promo they aired. It wasn't a lot. It was a lot of first night stuff. Uh, Some short, quick clips of him uh, kissing women on dates. Um, Nothing major that they've given away just yet, but his season is about six weeks away. January 4th, it's the 14th season in a row now that The Bachelor starts on the first Monday in January. So this isn't anything new. It always starts at the same time. It always films at the same time. Matt's season started a little bit later. Most Bachelor seasons start filming end of September and end right before Thanksgiving. His first night was October 10th and is ending this weekend. So you will see a lot of the women from Matt's season back on social media and actually having social media activity because if you've been trying to follow Just based off social media activity, you'd think that everybody is almost still there. Uh, But that's the mandate handed down from the show. They know now that everyone's watching their social media. So um, I know for a fact they tell these women and guys, look, once you get off the show, don't start adding everybody from the show. Wait till it's all over. You can all add each other. Then it's harder to figure out stuff. So just know that. They're on to you. They know. So I wouldn't be ever using social media as a clear descriptive, um, a clear definition of somebody being home or somebody not being home because they are telling all these people to lay off. Um, what else? That was really, I didn't have a lot to go over because a lot was covered in, you know, Tuesday's column and my issue with um, the Instagram account Dumois, Dumois. Um, We go over that again last night in the live and you know, yeah, that site's the one that I was calling out, but it's more about just misinformation in general that everybody, you know, Facebook sees a lot of it. And um, even on Twitter, you know, people tweeting out stories, retweeting stories to where Twitter has stepped in and started to put something out there that says, no, before you just believe this person's tweet, you need to actually read the link uh, that they posted and then make your decision. So That's my whole issue is, you know, I don't know why people are getting on my case for wanting people to be more accountable, wanting people to wanting people to that have a site that says what we're reporting is not based in fact to just, I don't know, report, not report stuff that isn't based in fact. That's that's all I'm asking is maybe you reassess what you're doing. Um, Are they going to listen? No. No but I'm passionate about it. I don't like misinformation being put out there on purpose. I might post something that ends up being wrong, but that's not, that's completely different than purposely posting something that you have no idea whether it's true or not. And you're just going to let your readers decide whether or not they want to believe it. Because the second you put it out there, there are hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of people that immediately take it as truth and run with it. And it spreads like wildfire. So that's my biggest issue there. But anyway, Not a whole hell of a lot to get to, so let's get going with uh, podcast number 209. All right, let's bring them in. They are the hosts of the Here to Make Friends podcast. been a while since we had them on. It is Emma Gray and Claire Fallon. Thanks for coming on, you guys. Hey. Hi,
0: thanks for having us.
2: Actually, you know what? Claire, I apologize. I think I've had Emma on and not you. I don't think I had you guys on at the same time.
0: Right? I didn't want to call you out, but yeah, I don't. I have uh, been on well, <laughs> Claire's big yeah. debut. <laughs> yeah, well, Emma and I are basically one person at yeah, this point. Same so. person. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: well, first things first, Claire. You're a new mother. Congratulations. Tell us uh, yes. how that is going. How uh, and how has it been? How old is your son? It's a boy, right? Uh,
0: he is 11 months old. Mm-hmm. Um. He is a wonderful, special child, and it's been a lot of fun being a new mom this year. Uh, we just sent him to daycare <laughs> for the first time and my maternity leave ended in April, so that probably gives some sense of how the past six months have gone in our apartment. But uh, now that he's in daycare, it's it's even better.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, well, the fact that he's 11 months means he's not a... He's not a COVID baby. You he, he didn't deliver during COVID.
0: <laughs> no, we. I was. I was just finishing up my maternity leave when when it happened. So gotcha. we got to have family over at first. My my parents got to meet him before the shutdown. So that was a, a blessing for us.
2: Is he um? Is he taking to Aunt Emma here? Uh, Emma, have you seen him? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I have. Yeah, they've they've met a couple of times back at, back in the day. We we went to a a march together over the summer, so she's been a very attentive aunt. So I also went through
1: sort of like a dark quarantine tie dyeing phase. Um, you know, other people experience greater hardship, obviously, but I I went into a creative hole. So I poor Claire ended up with um some. Products of my uh, creative tailspin. So she and Max now have matching tie-dyed onesies. <laughs> she That's... looks great in tie-dye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: you know, I, I I'm sure I asked you this, Emma, when you were on the first time, but I I'm I'm blanking on the amount of years. How long have you guys been doing the podcast together?
1: We started with Caitlyn Bristow's season of The Bachelorette.
2: Okay. So
0: five years.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I always lose track myself of how long it's been.
2: (laughs) And it just started as recaps on a podcast and then it got into interviews? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually. Yeah, and I
1: mean, when we started, there just wasn't the like overwhelming number of Bachelor-focused podcasts that there are now. I feel like it's really (laughs) exploded in the last three years.
2: Yeah, and and mostly by the contestants themselves. It's not even yeah. just fans. It's contestants themselves now that, um, you know, have – it's just like <laughs> you've got – and then you've got now official podcasts of the show where, you know, this this season is where it has kind of started in terms of, you know, Rachel and Becca interviewing guys who are still on the show, which – They've never done in the past. They used to do it with the the exit interviews with the media. They used to have the the, they would choose one guy or girl from the episode that just aired that had gotten eliminated, and they'd put them on the conference call for the media, and we'd see those interviews every week, kind of like they do with Survivor and Dance with the Stars couples. But this is the first we've seen of this show acknowledging someone that's still participating on the show and doing interviews, because they had, I think, Spencer on uh, today that I saw. So, you know, the show's wow. kind of getting with the times. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, I think used
0: they. <laughs> be, it used to be easier for us to get interviews. They have, they oh, have so, sure. many, so many options now um, to have people on uh, a nice, friendly uh, Bachelor alone podcast, an official podcast, uh, whenever they want. So it's really changed the face of Bachelor media. <laughs>
2: For sure, and they've been a lot stricter about letting their contestants do anything outside of Bachelor Nation. At, at, yep. le- at, least the mo- <laughs> at least the most recent ones. You can pull somebody from three or four years ago who has no ties to the franchise anymore. They'll do it in a heartbeat, and they're they're just as good of guests to get. But for the Johnny Come Lately fans, they're like, who? And it was like <laughs> literally three seasons ago, and it's just like, you know, I mean, it's it's tough, but. Unfortunately, uh, my podcast, your podcast dealing with the with the same things. It's just it's right.
1: And, and, you know, as you said, like often I think it's easy to get caught up in wanting instant insight, of course, from people who are still on the show. And like that's valuable and awesome if you have access to it. Um, but there is something to be said for booking people who have a little bit more space from the experience and are not under contract and so can speak more candidly and have also just like had the time to process what they went through uh, and reflect on it
2: yeah some of my best guests i think are contestants that are three four five years out from the show and they just and it's a contestant that you were like oh okay and you might and just you might not have known anything about them at all, and then they tell this story about either stuff that happened on the show or even about their own story, what they've done since the show. And yeah, I mean, some of the best guests they don't have to be. I mean, look, I get we're in a um, instant gratification society right now where everybody has to have tea or gossip, you know, in every second of every day, especially when it comes to this franchise. But it's just not realistic, and it doesn't mean it's a bad interview if it doesn't have tea in it or gossip or dirt or whatever you want to call it, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that it's the payoff is much greater if you let things simmer a little bit. Like, do I really get that much out of tea from someone who just left a season two weeks ago, or am I going to get more actual revelation and insight from someone who has had, three to five years to think about it. I feel like it's always a more interesting lesson.
2: For sure. Uh, Let's talk about last night's episode because... Yes. You know, not a whole hell of a lot different than what we've seen in past seasons, uh, except the drama last night seemed to surround two guys we don't really know and had really zero investment in, in, in Chasen and Ed. Uh, Emma, your thoughts was Chasen in a small or medium shirt. What, what was your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> I mean, this is the investigative journalism we need you for, Steve. Yeah. Like how how will I ever assess Chasen's like worth as a man and as a potential romantic partner unless I know his shirt size? Like, there's nothing else that's relevant. I, I, so please, you know, ex girlfriends of his get in touch. Let us know. Um, this is very important.
2: I just can't believe that that. I mean, look, they're they're arguing back and forth. Was really nothing we haven't heard before. Where one person thinks someone there isn't for the right reasons. You know, it's like we get it. I mean, we, right. Your your podcast is, <laughs> or you're you're here to make friends, but you know it's kind of the same thing. Like I'm not here to make friends. I'm, and then somebody immediately says, "Well, you're not <laughs> here for the right reasons or whatever." So, I, I look. We hear it every season. That's not even an original argument anymore. I mean, I I, I, think, I think at this point it's more laughable when someone says, you're not here for the right reasons, because what are – I mean, it's never been established within this franchise. What are the right reasons? Is it really to get engaged and get married on this show? Because we all know how social media has taken it over, and if you're not going on the show for followers, you're lying, number one. And – I I don't know. I just I thought that that argument between Jason and Ed was so shallow and so and said it had no substance to it. Claire, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, what you're pointing out, I think, is so true. Like a cliche is a way to avoid being specific in a way that might provide any insight. So when you say, you know, you're not here for the right reasons. You're using uh, a common phrase that people know, but no one ever has to explain exactly what it means. And so what are you really arguing about? Um, like, it just seems like Ed and Bennett don't care for Jason and they can use this, this saying as a cudgel against him. Um, and it, it is, it's frustrating. I would like to, to see meteor drama um, it seemed to come absolutely out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, I mean, we didn't. I mean, we didn't even know who Ed was before last night's episode. Let's be honest. There's been five episodes. Wa- no screen
0: time. Ed wants Ed wants to get on camera. I mean, he's got to know that that he's not working his way into the storylines yet, and this is a great way to do it.
1: Right. It's also just such a silly thing to frame it as though like hoping to find a romantic relationship and hoping to gain Instagram followers are in some way like mutually exclusive goals of going on this show you know the sheer numbers tell a story you know that the vast majority of people who go on the show are not going to end up in a relationship like let alone a successful romantic relationship so I'm gonna assume that you're gonna have like more more reasons than just like I hope to be married to this person I've never met as like a reason to put your life on pause, go on TV, expose yourself to millions of people for like possible humiliation. I mean, yeah, there better be a payoff there. It's just, it's a disingenuous, um, like boundaries for, for the, the fight from the first place.
2: I think Ed saying, you know, again, phony actor fraud is what he called him. <laughs> while they while they are somewhat descriptive, I still would have known what he meant by that. Like why? No idea. Unless he's really talking about oh, you said the same things to Claire that you're now saying to Tasha. Well, what things? I mean, they're both attractive women. So <laughs> is it that? Um, I, you know, he doesn't have a very deep vocabulary when it comes to <laughs> describing women. We know that he calls them a smoke show, muy bonita, and muy caliente. That was what he. <laughs> That's what he came up with, and you know. look,
1: Steve he had he just needed to switch to another language in order <laughs> yeah. to expand the variety like he was like I, I it can't even be summed up in English for beauty
2: <laughs> I, I you know like I didn't even have an issue with the smoke show comment i look i I think jason um I could get on him for numerous things last night. I think he just, I mean, smoke shows just a different way of saying hot. I mean, it seems like hot yeah. is overused. Yes. <laughs> hot is overused anyway. I mean, is it, does it sound like a, a frat boy that says it? I mean, it, that sounds like frat boy vocabulary. Yeah, it does. But I didn't think it was insulting or demeaning at any point. It's a compliment, but some people no, would Fred take it.
0: his aesthetic too. I mean, of course he would call her a smoke show, but like, <laughs> right. he's going to play cornhole. He's going to call the lead a smoke show. That's what he does. Like it's, it's part of the chase and package. Taysha, Taysha seems to like it. Yeah. Um, it's just it, it is these these un, these non-specific cliches like you're a fraud. OK, you're not here for the right reasons. OK, you act different around Taysha or in front of the cameras than you do with us what do you mean? Like there's no, that's just a common allegation um, made logic villains on the show. And there's very rarely any specifics behind it. There certainly weren't in this case. And the whole like vocabulary thing just seemed to spiral into a way to like bully chase him for not being as smart as Ed and Bennett, which, you know, debatable, but you know, it, it didn't really seem to be about how genuine he was.
2: And do we really know how smart Bennett is? He can't subtract ten from twenty-five. So <laughs>
0: right, he. This is a
1: man who can't spell limousine. I mean, again, not a moral failing, but like, who? What? You know, authority? Do you have to be like handing out grades here?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it's. It was. Look, like I said, it's not anything we haven't seen before. It's the same arguments we hear every season, and I and I guarantee when Matt season rolls up in six weeks from now. There're going to be some girls in the house that tell other girls, I don't like you. You're not here for the right reasons or you're fake or you're phony. It's the same stuff. It's same stuff different season. Also
1: like sometimes people are just allowed to not like each other and not get along. And like and they still just have to coexist because they're forced together in this situation. You know, I think often like annoyance is is turned into some sort of like you have to find a justification because you're around this person. So, like, if you're just annoyed and you're like, Chasen bothers me and, like, <laughs> he seems not that interesting. You're like, well, it's probably because he's a fraud and I must expose him to Tayshia. Um, You know, and the same goes for, like, Chasen being annoyed with Ed. Like, they're all just kind of annoying.
2: And let's be honest. If they cast 31 guys that all got along, the show would suck. And, right. And women. And women. It, the, they're purposely not, you can't possibly get along with everybody in the house as a cast. There's just, it's never happened in the history of the show. We ha- we now have 40 seasons of, of evidence that this just does not happen. There's a reason they cast the people that they do, which are usually type A personalities, that you're going to butt heads, you're going to clash. And the fact that you're all fighting for the same common goal here, of course it's going to happen. Yeah,
0: I would love to see them develop beautiful friendships, but you know... <laughs> That doesn't always make for the most dramatic
2: television. No, not not at all. And, you know, we've seen friendships develop from the show and continue on when the show is over. A lot of them seem a little surface level, but there are some that certainly are out there uh, that you can pinpoint and say, wow, they really developed a friendship from the show. But for the most part, yeah, we're going to get you're going to butt heads with people in this in this show and in the house because. Gosh, I mean, just just the. Just the idea of being stir crazy alone, not you know, not being able to do anything, uh, you know, locked in this television show, this Truman show kind of, th- kind of deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then this season, even more so because they didn't, they were in the same location. They couldn't even get on a plane and go somewhere or breathe. It's just you know everything's La Quinta. So yeah, it happens. I mean i I get it to a certain extent, but I just would like a little more description, like you said, Emma and Claire. I. It just it's it's the same things without any description of what do you mean when you say this? What do you mean when you say that? Fraud, actor, phony. It's such a such a generic word, um,
1: right? Like I'm I'm all I'm here for the petty drama, like whatever that's fun. We know that that's part of this show, but I it doesn't the way that these fights end up playing out, like it doesn't tell us anything about anyone involved. Like, we don't learn anything about these people because they're just throwing out all of these, like, as you said, totally unspecific, uh, cliche allegations against one another. So and then they just you're just like, okay, send them all home because they're tainted now.
2: Guys, new sponsor this week. And this is one of my favorites. I got to tell you, we got to talk about meat. You know that the best stuff isn't available at the grocery store, right? But if you order your meat online, you should know that some of those boxes import their meat from overseas. I've been getting my meat from United Harvest. It's a new delivery company founded by ranchers. They exclusively provide the best cuts of American beef, Wagyu, and lamb. I know exactly what I'm getting and where it's from, and you can really... Taste the difference. United Harvest works directly with North American family farms that uphold the highest standards of quality and animal care. Instead of an industrial factory, all of United Harvest meat is processed in Oregon by an expert butcher. The end result is superior to what you're getting from the big supply chains and sold directly to you at a surprisingly good price. We're talking premium cuts like ribeye steak, which is well marbled and mouth-watering, New York strip, which is potato-fed, not corn, resulting in a richer and fuller flavor. Wagyu Top Sirloin Steak, which is a versatile cup that's lean and flavorful. Lamb loin chops that are perfect for a holiday party. They are tender, packed with flavor, and quick to cook. The flavor, I'm telling you guys, out of this world, because premium quality is built into every step of United Harvest's sustainable farming process, which includes no hormones, GMOs, or unnecessary antibiotics. I actually got on the phone with United Harvest and talked to them, and they told me how to prepare Wagyu beef because I didn't really know. I just said, put it on the grill, and they're like, no. The Wagyu beef, if you choose to order that, they said is best in a cast iron pan, three and a half minutes on each side, medium high heat, and then you rest it for about eight to 10 minutes. I did it, and it was unbelievable. It's it's literally the best meat I've ever tasted in my life. Their Wagyu beef is unreal, and I cooked it exactly that they told me to cook it. Do not put it on your grill, cast iron pan. Three and a half minutes on each side. If you want to season it, flavor it beforehand, go and do whatever you want. Everyone's different with that kind of stuff. But you're going to love this. United Harvest Farmers are right here in the USA. There's no imported meat from halfway around the world like some meat delivery companies do. Just premium cuts of perfect meat delivered overnight. Here's what I want you to do. Go to unitedharvest.com. That's unitedharvest.com and enter the promo code STEVE to get 20% off site-wide with your order of $50 or more. That's unitedharvest.com, and use that promo code STEVE at checkout. If you value quality, flavor, and convenience, check out unitedharvest.com, and be sure to use that promo code STEVE to save 20% off your order of $50 or more. Guys, you won't regret it, and we thank United Harvest for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, All right, let's move on real quickly to... um, just the fact, I mean, we're obviously talking about last night's episode, but I haven't spoken to you, obviously, since this season started. You're. I, we'll start with you, Claire, in regards to Claire. We'll start with Claire talking about Claire. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, it's just so funny. You spell your name C-L-A-I-R-E, and Claire is yeah. C-L-A-R-E. And it's just amazing to me. I mean, Claire has been announced as The Bachelorette since March. We've seen it. She's been on five times now. It's amazing to me when I get emails, when I get DMs, when I get Instagram messages of how many people spell Claire Crawley, C-L-A-I-R-E. I I, I just, how how (laughs) have you not seen her name anywhere? Yeah. It's just, it's It's unbelievable. It's hard for people. I know. Um, But anyway, uh, speaking of Claire, what was your take on the whole season? Were you bothered by what she did? Would you rather have seen her stick it out? Or are you happy that like, hey- yeah, it might be 2 weeks, but if if you're looking for the point of the show, which is a love story, seemingly we got one with those two. Where do you stand on everything?
0: Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it um for just for starters and I mean it is a TV show, it's supposed to be entertaining. I think that that's why production encouraged it and went along with it, which we saw them doing, you know, we see Chris sitting down with Claire um, well in advance of when she actually leaves the show and being like, Oh, so Dale, it seems like you and Dale are falling in love. Um, the show saw an opportunity to do something fun and different, a twist on the formula. And I think it worked, you know, I like seeing a deviation from the script now and then. Um, and I also thought that it was in a way like kinder to the guys. Um, You know, she wasted relatively little of their time. Um, She took herself out of the process once she knew that it was not going to be really open to any of them anymore. Um, And so it's interesting to me. It's been interesting to see how many people have accused her of wasting their time or leading them on or deceiving them when the structure of the show is actually set up for more of the men to be deceived and led on for a longer amount of time. Um, and I don't think that it uh, really makes sense to cast those accusations at Claire who, who tried to do the opposite. And personally, I'm happy that she and Dale seem happy. Like that seems like the best possible outcome.
2: Emma, your thoughts?
0: I completely
1: agree with everything that Claire said. I, for me, it's like great. We get a season that feels a little bit different. It provides that sort of escapism that I was looking for, um, and twisted the formula. And then we, as a result, get two bachelorettes who I both think are really different and really dynamic, and both women that I was personally pretty excited to see um, in the lead roles, and they are you know, very different and they like, they gravitate towards different, um, men. And so I think we've also gotten to see this really interesting reshuffling of front runners in a way that obviously has never happened on the show before, um, because you always only have one person. Uh, and I also like that they were able to have two women in the lead role without, it being, you know, a competition between two of them, like they did with Caitlyn and and Britt, which is the last time, you know, we got quote unquote two Bachelorettes, but really it was just Caitlyn's season. Yeah. So I've been really enjoying it and um, frankly been interested to, to see the level of, the level of uh, anger that a lot of fans seem to have at Claire, um, or the instinct by a lot of people to kind of put Tasha and Claire um, in competition with each other. When in my mind, it's like, wow, what an embarrassment of riches we have. We get to watch these two women kind of play out this game in the way that that works best for them.
2: I feel like the show is kind of putting, I because I didn't. I think a lot of people agree. Claire did not get the greatest edit in the world from them. It just, they 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 painted her as, you know, boy crazy of, you know, towards one boy and, um uh, you know, almost desperate. And then, you know, even, even Dale uh, going to him and saying, well, everything's lined up for you perfectly here. There's only one thing left. It's got to be an engagement. It's almost like they were shoving an engagement down his throat. Maybe he was going to do it anyway, but the way they presented it, A lot of people agree. Claire did not get a a great edit, almost got a villain edit uh, for some of the things that happened on this season with, you know, showing her saying, can we speed this up? You know, that didn't that was it. That was not her sitting in front of a camera during an ITM. That was through a window. We saw that. It's like, why would you choose to show that unless you want to make your lead look bad? Because that was completely taken out of context in the way it was said, because past leads have come out. Rachel, Deanna have come out since then and said, We've all said that. Like, can we speed this thing up? I want to get with my guy. Like, it, it's but to show Claire through the window saying that and stuff like that—definitely a bad edit. And I feel almost bad for Tasha because her coming in, especially with the entrance that they gave her—the slow mo out of the pool, like a Bond girl or something—and then yeah. um, mm-hmm. because you gave Claire such a bad edit, it's almost like here is our savior. This is going to be the girl that's going to save season when tasha's not going to do anything different than the previous 16 Bachelorettes has done. She's going to come on. She's going to be the lead on the show. She's going to go on one-on-one dates. She's going to go on group dates. She's going to give out roses. I mean, it's just, we're not reinventing the wheel here. And I almost feel like they, I almost feel like they're really are making tasha out to be like this savior. Like, oh my God, just wait till wait till this one comes in and saves us from the, the awfulness that was Claire for four episodes and her yeah. not paying attention to the other, uh, any of the other guys. It just, I don't know. I feel bad for her. Um, but
0: yeah, there's there's a little bit of the, you know, having to do everything that the, the past ones have done backwards and in heels to, to what they're doing to Tasha. You know, yeah. she is for the first time, you know, even compared to Caitlin, who, who had to deal with the question of like some men were here who voted for Brit, you know she had to come in Tasha, and be confronted by Chris and by all the guys and by just her knowledge of the situation with the idea that she had to win all these men over. There is no assumption that they're there for her. And she had to deal with each of them with the the suspicion that if they are genuinely into her, why were they there dating Claire? You know, what kind of uh, motives do they have that they're interested in dating both her and Claire Um, so she, she's put in a position of wooing them in a way that the lead usually isn't. And that's a much more deft kind of maneuver to pull off than just coming and being the person that everyone, you know, salivates over from night one.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think she's handling it incredibly well, which is a real testament to her and, and obviously speaks to why they Chose her for this difficult position, um, but I do feel in different ways both for Tasha for all of the reasons you guys have outlined and um, for Claire. In in as much as you know, I think the forced proposal like it felt a bit forced to me. I, I that is mm-hmm. the one part of her quote unquote journey that I really was bothered by. Um, I thought they could have just let them you know, go date each other. And and that would have been fine and lovely and potentially set the relationship up in a more healthy way um, and opened her up to less backlash. And then, you know, I, I wish that they had given Tayshia a little more reassurance. I wish there had been less of like a focus on panning over her body in this sort of objectifying way when she was introduced. Um, and yeah. yet on the whole, I've found both of them to be like really delightful, magnetic, interesting leads. And I think often, you know, not to generalize, but I think often like with the men that we get in the lead role, like they don't have to be interesting or dynamic. They just have to be like,
2: you know, have labs
1: and like alive.
2: Like I smoke shows. That's what it has to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I get it. It's just, I, I, they're different in, I mean, I don't think Tasha and Claire could be any more different in, um, I mean, I'm sure they have similarities, but in terms of the lead of this show, you know, Tasha's only just, I think she turned 30 during filming and, you know, here's Claire at, at, at 39, who's been on the show five times and tasha has been on twice and, and 30 and, um, you know, had a got to the final three on Colton's season, had a fling, basically, with John Paul Jones. Um, but we've never seen her as somebody that was... We know now her backstory of of being divorced. She talked about it on Colton's season. It seems like she's talked about it more in these two episodes than we heard much about on Colton's. But I, I just think they're in two different points in their life, and maybe that was their dynamic that they were going for. When, you know, look... COVID obviously threw a wrench into plans this season. Claire's season was supposed to start March 13th, and that was the day COVID was declared a national pandemic. So um, we had four months of, and production, had four months of listening to people throw their two cents in of what they thought of Claire as the Bachelorette. Why are we doing this? I mean, granted, we get that every season. But um, I think when you have four months of hearing people complain about Claire, um, probably is why they, and, and then knowing you're going to film a season in one location for the first time in the history of this show, it it's not far-fetched to think that, okay, we need to, we need to rethink how we're doing this season. And, you know, we know that Claire speaks to production every day during COVID and, or at least a lot. Um, she was admittedly looking at her guys on social media, they knew they knew that she was into Dale from day one and was going to be into him. And as long as he didn't trip over himself coming out of the limo and you know couldn't put a sentence together, he she, he was probably the guy she was going to choose anyway. So yeah, they leaned into it like you said, uh, adjusted format and did something uh, a little bit different. But as for Tasha you know, I like the fact that she's there and it's not like she was taken out of left field because she was a finalist. It was Claire, Tasha and Tia. They've said those were our three finalists this season so it made a, it made a little sense and you know going forward with Tasha, as for you Claire um your thoughts going forward on Tasha is it something to wear I don't know put yourself in Tasha's shoes how do you think you would have reacted either getting the call and saying hey Claire's out you're in um go I, I mean if, if you're single and you and you could do it and, you, and it was presented to you I'm assuming you would have taken it but what do you think your mindset would have been that first night? Would have been more of, yeah, this is my show now, or gosh, these guys all signed up for someone else.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the the distance between my personality and Tasha's can be measured by the fact that no matter how single <laughs> and bored I was, I would never have agreed to do that. Um, partly, you know, because carrying the show is such a, an exhausting task and partly because of the additional burden of the insecurity of of thinking constantly these guys were there for someone else and so i think it's really a testament to just who taisha is um that she has a lot of optimism and openness in her in her character and that whereas uh, many of us myself especially would constantly be tentative would be coming in to meet these guys being like sorry sorry I'm not Claire sorry um that she's just like I'm amazing I'm here like there are gonna be guys here who are perfectly capable of falling in love with me why wouldn't they I'm great and let's just have a lot of fun let's have a great summer um, not everyone will be able to pull that off. And so that's, that's just exactly the person they needed for this. I mean, imagine I, I look at Claire. Claire is very different, um, from Tasha and she handled the dating very differently. Um, I can't imagine what that would have been like if it were the other way around. Um, <laughs> but Tasha just has this, she's always happy to be where she is and she can make the most out of it. Emma? Oh, I agree. I think that that's like perfectly,
1: perfectly said. I think that she was has a personality type that was suited to kind of take this on and she's run with it. And I think that it probably also helped that after that first night, she did at least from a few of the men that she connected with um really well, you know, that first night that they did go that extra mile to reassure her and be like, I wasn't connecting with Claire. This is what I came here looking for, like this kind of spark. Um, and so I think probably if you're Tasha and you have that initial confidence and then you have a few people who you're into, and let's be real, like a lead is always only into, you know, one to four people usually. Yeah. So if you get some of that affection back, I think it's like you're going to just run with it.
2: You know, you mentioned earlier, Emma, you're talking about the kind of the reaction that Claire got online. Um, It just seemed like it got a little carried away, got a little more toxic this season. And just in general, um, you know, I don't even call it Bachelor Nation anymore. I call it toxic Bachelor Nation because this isn't like, um, I've even said this in my lives uh, with Ashley when we do those. This isn't something along the lines of what we the, the common phrase we heard when we hear about uh, police brutality in this country where it seems to be like, oh, it's just a couple bad apples. Like, it's I'd say it's 50-50, this franchise, of people that absolutely just storm the internet and shit all over these people, as opposed to people that just either just watch it and never comment on anything, which is probably what most people should do. But the amount of hate that goes on people's captions on Instagram and the amount of hate that they receive personally. We've seen numerous stories over the year. You know, Caitlin on her after the final rose had to talk about the death threats she's got. Rachel came on Peter's season of the uh, Women Tell All and had to read emails that some of the women received. I mean, we we it's just, it's never-ending. And, you know, you can't say anything about this franchise anymore with someone automatically assuming, you know, you hate them. Even in a sarcastic, joking, tongue-in-cheek manner, you say anything that's remotely not positive, and it's like, why do you hate them so much? I mean, I've already gotten it this season, and I'm just making, I'm just making jokes. So, uh, you know, and they're they're not even remotely, remotely offensive jokes. But it's like, and especially now with Tasha as the lead, I mean, forget it. Immediately, uh, with Tasha, you know, not being white, I'm immediately, you know, you're a racist and you're oppressing the black woman if you if you make any negative comment towards her when i'm just like look oh she she said something funny and i made fun of it like come on now um but yeah the 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 nature of this fan base have you seen am am i the only one that's seeing how bad it's gotten or have you seen that this is getting out of control with some of these people
1: you know i i thought about this a lot um i absolutely think that there is a toxic streak within bachelor nation of as you said fans who um really you know go after people in a way that I think crosses the line like I think that it's you know as commentators so many of us watch this show to joke about it to make fun of people to perhaps even like in some dark part of ourselves Feel like we're we're better than the people that we're watching. Um, I'm sure that that's you know a streak that that runs through all of us, myself included. But um, I think you know the way I think about it. Obviously, like anything that is specifically targeting someone with cruelty in their digital space, or anything threatening any sort of violence or anything near that, um, is way way crossing the line. And I think. Uh, it's not necessarily specific to bachelor nation. Like I think that this is the kind of thing you see happening in a lot of online fandoms. Oh, sure. And there's, yeah, there's sort of like a, a pocket always of any, anything online that, it that um, engenders kind of intense loyalty and adoration. And you always have people that are going to cross the line. And I think, What that speaks to is that the Bachelor franchise then perhaps has more of a responsibility the more kind of online its contestants are and the more that the show is dependent on this online fan base for its success, that they also have a greater responsibility maybe to offer guidance and protection um, and stand up for the people on the show. And I'm not sure that they've really figured that out yet. I mean, we've seen that they finally banned hateful comments on, you know, the Bachelor Nation Instagram, but it doesn't seem like that same curation has really been applied to the, you know, official Bachelor and Bachelorette accounts. Um, And so I think that, that maybe that's like the more productive way to talk about this conversation, because I do think that that sort of toxicity um, is something that runs through all really intense online communities. And, Um, it is very frustrating and disturbing to me, but I'm not sure how much, you know, outside of the way that we conduct these conversations and engage with those people when we do, I'm not sure how much like we can control that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Claire, go, go ahead, Claire. Uh,
0: yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think that, you know, we get very invested in in these people, you know, we have these like they're parasocial relationships with people that we see on TV and and it becomes um, something that takes on much greater stakes in the minds of certain people than there's any real basis for. I mean, we even receive messages that are very angry that we are not harsher on Claire. Um, And we absolutely have been critical of Claire on the show. We've made fun of things that she's done like anyone else we have uh, criticized her for you know things she said or reactions that we thought were unjust that's all part of part of the conversation but people are very upset that we are not meaner to claire um while she is getting you know targeted harassment online <laughs> yeah. it doesn't maybe seem like the most uh, beneficial use of our commentary Um, And I think that 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 upsets people to a degree that I find very um, confusing, because if you if you really step back and look at what the worst thing anyone on this show has ever really done, it's typically something that even if it were your friend's ex, you would not invest this much time and energy in being angry at them, you know, the, the level of vitriol because you were perhaps rude, to a group of men once or because you got into a relationship too quickly. I mean, these are not things that justify anger oh. or moral condemnation on a right. scale that we see. Um, so I always find it important to push back on that. But it, it's, yeah, it's absolutely not something that I think even the show can control, although there are things that they can they can do. I think that this is just... Um, a a nasty strand of human nature that is enabled by the the ways that the platforms that we discuss
2: these things on. Yeah. It's weird just to look, you can dislike Claire for whatever reason you may have. Uh, Maybe you're just sick of the fact that she got a fifth chance on this franchise, which is perfectly (laughs) um, that that seems to be a lot of people's arguments. Like, why did she get a fifth chance? Um, That's fine. Um, But, I think your argument can just kind of end at that. Why does it have to turn into die, bitch? You know, it's like it, doesn't, right. it It just makes zero sense. And like I said, that anybody, you know, until that there until there are laws established in the United States, which it's not going to happen because we're not going to turn in to China. I mean, if you wrote if you're in China and you write a tweet uh, uh, you know, against the leader of that country, you will be arrested. Like, it's not... That's not out of the... That's not... That's how they function over there. But until that happens out here, which will never happen, anybody can get...
1: Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully
2: not. <laughs> anybody can get away with saying stuff online that is threatening, harmful, outside of a terrorist threat. I think you can be arrested if you put a terrorist threat out in a tweet or an Instagram message. But I'm talking about stuff like this. Like, there's no consequences for someone to either dm someone personally or put on their caption you know you're a stupid bitch i hope you die why did you lead all the guys on you know whatever they were saying i mean we've seen it all (laughs) since this started and um yeah there's really nothing to it maybe your account gets suspended but you're just gonna if you're that angry you're just gonna sign back up so you can you know level more vitriol at other people under a different email address so um uh, yeah, I just I don't understand it, but we know it goes on and like you said, I don't know what they can do to control it really. And um but as as a contestant um on this show, I don't know. Um what do you th- and we obviously know that's not fair game. You shouldn't be able to you shouldn't be leveled that type of criticism. But what what do you think is fair game when it comes to contestants? who do enter themselves on this show. Um, Not in terms of criticism, because they're going to get it regardless. If their hair is out of place or (laughs) someone doesn't like their hair color, they'll say something about it. But do you think anything, you know, what what do you consider is off limits? I'll start with you, Emma. What do you consider you think is off limits when it comes to, once you sign up for this show and you are a contestant and your show airs, I'm, it's like I'm almost warning them every season. Look, I know there are a lot of perks that come with this, but you better be prepared for things that are going to be said about you that just aren't true, and you're going to have to deal with it.
1: Do you mean like what should be off limits for yeah. us as like commentators to criticize?
2: Well, not even us as com- well, us as commentators, but also anybody common, uh, you know, commentating. But I guess you could start with us as commentators, sure.
1: I mean, it's hard for me to identify like specific things outside of like, I always feel like it's, um, I don't want to criticize people for things that, it, like as, as someone with a platform, you know, for things for like their physical appearance, you yeah. know, yeah. outside of maybe a joke about a, a fashion sense or something like that. But I think like talking about, people's bodies in a derogatory or objectifying way should generally be um out of line for for professional commentators you know I think I, I guess I always try to think about it like how can we criticize what we are seeing uh presented by the show because you know in a way that yes might indict the person who's who's like the avatar of that behavior, but also indicting what the the message of that public performance is sending to the viewers. Um, And I think framing it in that way tends to be more productive because it's not just like, why is this person such a mean asshole for doing this thing? It's like, okay, this person behaved in this way. What message um, does that send to the audience? Does it send a message that, you know, women are inherently more dramatic or weaker or more desperate? Does it send a negative message about what someone can handle depending on their age? Does it send, um, you know, a negative message about masculinity and the ways that masculinity can be policed? And I feel like approaching your criticism from uh, that vantage point tends to then cut out comments that I would consider to be, like, beyond the pale, just pure cruelty. Um, Yeah, I guess that's how how I think about it. But I absolutely Mm -hmm. think that for contestants, they have to know that, like, there are no rules of engagement, unfortunately. And so there is inevitably a mental health toll, I think, to just appearing on this show. Um, And that's certainly an insight that we've gotten having now spoken to a critical mass of people who have gone through the show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Claire.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think, you know, certain things are, you know, not everyone can or will or even necessarily should approach commentary about the show purely through a a lens of, like, what's the most moral, (laughs) ethical way I can comment on this? You know, fun fun is also a part of this, and, like, fun is part of our show, but also you know, a lot of people are just tweeting or chatting with their friends. And like fun is the main objective. And like, that's fine. I we've definitely talked to people who have been on the show who really struggled with what they faced, but who also said, you know, before I went on, I did the same stuff. When I watched the show, I made the same jokes, and it was fun. And eventually they start doing it again, you know, so it's, just part of human nature. Like we all like to make fun and no one likes to be made fun of like it sucks. (laughs) Um, it's something that you definitely have to be prepared for. And, but I would say that, yeah, over time, you know, the longer that I've done this, um, and the, the more that I've seen the impacts, the more I do try to gravitate toward thinking more in terms of like, what is something that if I don't make fun of it, if I don't call it out, um, will cause harm. Uh, that is greater than letting it go, in a sense. You know, like, it, what is, where Where does the responsibility um, to just be nice to the contestants end and the responsibility to be like, hey, we should be looking at this behavior that's being presented to us more critically begin. And it's uh, imperfect, and I definitely <laughs> fail to do it uh, nimbly all the time. But um yeah trying to look at just like what messages are being sent by the show um is is the way that I typically try to to go by and and, yeah to not make fun of people for things they can't control or that are stigmatized right obviously I you know don't not shitting on
1: someone for their like identity for example yeah (laughs) definitely a big a big role of ours and also, I just want to echo Claire in that, like, I in no way think that I am some, like, perfect shining beacon example of this. <laughs> like, we have certainly missed that, and we make the calls that we think are the most responsible or reflect our opinions in that moment. And, like, sometimes they're the right ones, sometimes they're the wrong ones. And, like, look, people step in it. But I think if we're all just trying to come from a place of, like, genuine good fun with this show rather than um, – you kind of checking our potential over investment in these people or questioning if we are becoming, you know, so overly angry, like why are we, why is that like invoking that response? Um, and maybe just like stepping back from it for a moment. Like we all have these reactions, but you can also like be pissed at someone and
0: in your head be like, I hate this person. And then you don't have to like post it on their Instagram. Yeah. yeah, even the people I've been mad at on the show and have been most horrified by the behavior of, I have never wanted them to deal with targeted harassment or death threats yeah. on any platform. Like that's not a healthy way for people who are being harmful to, you know, address their behavior or to improve or to find a healthier spot. So that's yeah, once it's driving that kind of response, it never seems like a useful way to, or, or even a fun way to engage with that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, there's certainly a line there of entertaining by a podcast or a column or whatever it may be versus crossing a line of, is it, you know, too mean? I mean, it's, it's going to, if you're poking fun, some people are going to think of it automatically as just, Oh, that's mean. But it's just like, but they went on the show. They opened themselves up to criticism the second you go on the show. A very popular show that's been around 40 seasons, 17 years. Like, you're going to have people that have an opinion, and some just take it way too far. And, you know, last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of what you guys do and kind of what I do is that you guys certainly over the years, have been sent stories, um, rumors that uh, people have said they've either wanted you to report on or, hey, I know this about this person or whatever. Um, How have you guys chosen to handle something that has been told to you in private, but they, I mean, it's told to you in private, but they want it kind of out there? Is it just a case-by-case basis with you, or how does it, how have you handled it in the past? And what would you say is like one of the bigger things that you were presented that you either decided to run with or said, no, not going to touch that.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that we, given that we are journalists and we are a part of, um, you know, a national news organization, I think we definitely take that responsibility really, really seriously. And so it does, really fall on a case-by-case basis. I mean, I think we have to think the idea, like, is this newsworthy? And by newsworthy, like, what will the impact, possible impact be of running a story about a specific individual on a national scale? Is this person really a public figure? Do whatever claims that we're hearing sound credible is the person making those claims um willing to put their their name out there and again like all of these things don't necessarily like a story can be fully true and believable but also not be nationally newsworthy right um and and so i think that that is just like a case-by-case dance that we do where we look at each story that might come our way and we speak to each other and to our editor and we talk about like okay what is the impact of this going to be and does that feel like it makes sense and will add add value into the world if if that makes sense yeah. um, you know I think one story that we did end up running with was i believe we were the first um national outlet to report on the fact that garrett uruguayan had liked a bunch of really bigoted instagram posts yeah um and i think the way that we decided that was in fact uh nationally newsworthy was in part because we knew that he was going to be a front runner and we knew that he was going to receive um, the first impression rose. And it felt like, okay, if this person is going to be portrayed on a very large scale as the romantic ideal, um, but the show has failed to, you know, vet him in, in these ways in a moment in, American culture where there is like a rise in hate crimes and a rise in disinformation, then it feels like an important conversation to have. And so we did end up, you know, moving forward with that and publishing it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I would say that, you know, I think probably you, uh, Steve, probably get more tips like this because you're like the the grandmaster of of Bachelor (laughs) leaks. And that's, that's, you know, an incredible thing to, to own. But um, so I'm sure you you have a much more uh, frequently used and elaborate uh, process. Um, I think that's right, what Emma says. And also, you know, because of our situation, like, uh, at HuffPost, it, you know, if someone were to tell us something, and wouldn't want to go on the record, or um, tell their story, but kind of just want us to Give a bad impression. You know that's not we can't really like do an anonymously sourced story like that 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 doesn't really have corroboration. Um, so so we would typically, you know, have to go based on what was publicly available in order to to give commentary. and And often when we do get tips like this, it 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 is things that have already had some tweets or some reddit posts or some social media around it, um, you know, people, people talk and that's usually, um, the basis of, of anything we discuss publicly.
2: Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of stuff and I probably post one out of every, I don't know, 15 or 20 things that are sent to me in regards to somebody because it's, um, it's more about at this point, and and I'll be the first to admit, years ago I probably would have jumped on it right away. I just, in recent years, I've started to realize that um, you can't just run. I've always known you can't just run with everything. I needed some sort of proof, but uh, in more recent years, with some serious matters coming up, it's just like, um, honestly, I. It sounds bad, but there is a pecking order when it comes to this show. And if someone tells me that a guy or a girl on this show, um, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, uh, just, oh, he, you know, the, the whole thing of girlfriend before the show, that's a big one. Right. Obviously, with Hannah Brown season, that played a major role because Jed was the final one. If someone tells me that about a guy who goes home on night one, I'm just... In the past, I probably would have said something. Now I don't report it, and I've heard it every season. I've heard it with some of uh, Tasha's guys, and I just haven't reported it because it's like, look, <laughs> every one of these guys, especially for T- T- Claire slash season, because they had a four-month wait. I, you can't tell me that none of these guys, every single guy put their life on hold for four months and did not talk or text or have flirty conversations, or hell, even send dick pics, because some of them damn well <laughs> did, um, during those four months. That doesn't mean that they, when they went on the show that what they did during those four months is like this big deal. And again, it depends. There is a pecking order. If it's somebody that is insignificant to the season, why even put it out there? It's just like It's just going to cause a bunch of a stir that doesn't need to be stirred. But if it's somebody that is relevant to the season... Absolutely. It becomes a storyline. And the biggest example I can give of this was, you know, what happened with Victoria Fuller last season. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was told about that stuff about Victoria two weeks before the season started. And I specifically told them, look, I'll get back to you when it well, Let's see how far she goes. And then if this becomes an issue, then we'll report it. And then not only did it become an issue, but it became a storyline on the show. So I knew that it was relevant. Um Right. And the show knew it was relevant because they made a storyline out of it about, uh, you know, they had one of Peter's exes who lived in Virginia Beach, you know, come on the show and warn him about her. And then the Chase Rice date and everything. So, yeah, it became relevant. But, you know, I I'm trying to think of a way to say this. Um, But uh, there's I I, I don't I don't feel we need to hide it. We're not going to get into details about it, but you guys know what I've reported um, about Easy this season, which is a, a woman has come forward with allegations uh, in the past, and those allegations were brought to the attention of NZK, which is the production company behind this show, their legal team. This woman spoke to their legal team for 90 minutes three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago now. And as far as we can tell, the show has done nothing about it. Um, I have still been in contact with her since – her conversation with them and you were the first people I came to and said, "What? Well, what would you think about doing a story about this? And we've gone over it and the woman has basically decided not to attach her name to it, which she has every right to. And, um, yeah, she doesn't mm-hmm. want she doesn't want to come forward. So now the story is you guys can't run with what I reported. And I get that because she can't, she is choosing not to come forward. Um, and and like I said, she's allowed to because this is a big, this was a big deal uh, in her life that happened, and she doesn't want to. But it's a really tricky situation now that we're dealing with because one outlet, me, is reporting that this show is now well aware of allegations made against Easy, yet they're continuing their show and putting him in their edit like nothing has happened. I don't know what I don't know what to do at this point and other than talk about it and bring it up Mm -hmm. and say they know they know and you're seeing his edit so you make a decision on what they think about women who come forward and accuse men on this show of something fairly serious so I don't know is there is there any other way to look at this is there any other way to get this out there or what I
1: mean I I think what you're saying is is in effect correct like what you can do as someone with a platform is is to talk about it and as claire said like you know we have addressed um what is the information that is publicly available on our podcast and um i think it's worth talking about and absolutely worth questioning why more hasn't been done or why more effort wasn't made um to edit this person out of the show a little more or not lean, not lean on his commentary as much. I mean, I also, it's, it's a tough thing because understandably, and like, I have done a fair amount of um, reporting on, you know, me too type of stuff and something that I always tell people who um, come forward, who may or may not be sure that they want to, you know, move forward with the story is is that they this is their story and they're in the driver's seat and that there are specific. You know, processes that as a national news outlet, we have to go through in order to be buttoned up enough to make, you know, to put a serious potentially criminal allegation out there um, about a person that's a a serious big thing to do. And that that is not necessarily a reflection of, like, the veracity of their story. Um, And if they feel uncomfortable or re-traumatized by that process, then, like, there is no judgment. And that is their prerogative. And, you know, as journalists, I think we generally believe that sunlight is the best disinfectant. But that also has a real impact on, on the people who come forward and do tell their stories and there are no guaranteed outcomes. So um you know I think it's just good for for people to bear in mind that there are lots of reasons that someone may or may not feel comfortable um you know moving forward with that sort of public attention um to something that's been traumatic for them and um it is not you know it can't all fall on one individual to be sort of like the martyr that pushes um you know these big production companies or big corporations to to get their shit together and that that just has to come from uh those of us that have platforms kind of asking for them to take that responsibility over and over and over again
2: yeah and that's and that's really all I can say up to this point is just hey she spoke to them and you're seeing his edit through six episodes. So I there's there, there isn't much else to say and you just kind of mm-hmm. you kind of hope that things maybe change. Um it didn't last night. I, if they haven't done it by now, they've had their four episodes have aired since they spoke with her. So uh, it doesn't look like anything is changing and unfortunately she's has to deal with that and um she you know i in in speaking with her um i absolutely you know believe her side but again in a situation like this um i think there will always be doubters and i think mm-hmm. the problem with that is the reason that the fact that there will always be doubters and there will always be people that say, well, why didn't you say something earlier or whatever is the exact reason why she doesn't want to come out. You know, um, it sucks. It really does. And I'm glad that there are outlets that will draw attention to it. I remember when you guys did the Garrett stuff because you know, um, Ashley had passed it on to you guys. I believe it was Ashley that did that mm-hmm. because she was the one mm-hmm. who yeah. originally found anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, that that became a that became a thing, and it was relevant. And um, I, you know, it's just it's just a re- it's really it's a really weird position to be in, uh, and it's just it's difficult because not everything is so black and white. You know, there's gray areas yeah. involved here.
0: And what you and Ashley do is so important for Bachelor Nation, and so valuable. And and you know, we we do as Emma said. Um, draw on that when when we're talking about what's going on in the show, and there are things that we might not be able to publish, or things that you know may not uh, be convincing to uh, Bachelor production that they need to change what they're doing. Um, but no one is what I go, go back to is that you know no one is entitled to um, to fame or to glowing public commentary or to uh that kind of celebrity attention and if if we hear things which we you know hear um from you and ashley uh on your uh site and your podcast and your coverage or um if we see allegations um we might not be able to to go anywhere with those uh in every case but but we can you know decline to um to shower people who have these allegations with a lot of positive attention and it's it's a very imperfect way of of addressing the situation um like you said there are a lot of gray areas um it's often murky you know we don't always know what what the actual story is um and we may never know more in certain cases but um but we do try just to Bear in mind that, yeah, no one is entitled to to lots of positive attention. And um, if all we can do is is bring up what's out there and and then quietly kind of put that person to the side, um, sometimes that's that's all we can do.
2: Yeah. Like I said, it's a slippery slope. Sometimes it's never black and white. And, uh, you know, it just it is difficult uh, to cover certain stories on this show because you immediately open yourself up to a giant criticism whether it's me or are you guys running with something i'm sure people weren't thrilled that you ran with garrett stuff because they thought it was you know, <laughs> unimportant or stupid or oh he just double he accidentally double tapped it and it's like okay that many stories a hundred of them really like yeah you know, i mean
1: also i'm just gonna say with the garrett stuff um that we were proven
0: right <laughs> in the
2: long run yeah so. exactly so I mean it's it, yeah it's just it's tough um, I know people think like you know I, yeah I mean my main job is just to um, give spoilers and recap the show and do podcasts and just kind of make fun of silly things but there are certain issues that come up seemingly it seems to happen uh, a lot more often recently that where where someone comes to me and wants me to cover something a little more deeper a little more serious, Uh, about this show and um, I have to make a determination of is it worth it? Um, Do I have enough evidence here? Do I run with it? And like I said, most of the stuff I don't and or some of the most of the stuff I just choose not to or might pass it on somewhere else. I just I just know that it's 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 a heartache to cover all this stuff uh, sometimes because no matter what you do even if you think you're doing the right thing plenty of people will look at it as why did you why are you writing this why are you putting this out there giving this person a platform whatever the case may be so you know right. you know it's
1: we can all just do the best we can with with what we have and i think like as people with platforms like we're all open yeah. to people telling us when we've you know done the right or wrong thing and like that's a responsibility that we will will bear. And, um, yeah, I think we're all just trying our best in, uh, this year of our Lord 2020. So
2: yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> um, well, uh, Emma, Claire, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I'm glad I was able to get you both on uh, this time. Sorry, Claire. First time. <laughs> um, but uh, again, I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, you guys, obviously you Huffington post contributors, you have your, uh, here to make friends podcast, check them out there and you guys again thanks for coming on i appreciate it and we'll definitely have you guys on in the future
1: this was so much fun thank you yeah thank you so much for having
2: us you got it thanks thank you so much to uh emma and claire for coming on check them out on the here to make friends podcast and they write for huffington post uh a a good discussion and uh I didn't know if I was going to bring it up at the end, but um, I will say that uh, the woman in question that I've been talking about all season that spoke to NZK, um, I, um, we were in the process of putting them, because I said, look, it doesn't look like ABC is changing anything about Easy's edit, uh, EZ's edit uh, unless a major outlet runs with this. But I didn't really have any contact. You know, ET's not going to run with this because they – and E and Us Weekly and People, they have too much of a relationship with that show. It's going to have to be like a a good size like Huffington Post. So I went to Emma and I said, look, what do I do here? And she said, you know, she explained to me, look, she would need to come on record. We can't throw out an allegation uh, against somebody. uh, Even if the person tells us every detail in private but doesn't want their name used, we can't do it, And honestly. And so, yeah, she just, um, at the time, Doesn't want her name out there and doesn't want to have to deal with the backlash she knows she's going to get, which is something I told her from the very beginning, because in the very beginning, I think she was willing to talk the next day after the show premiered and not like I talked her out of it. But I did say, I hope you know what this will entail. And there will be people telling you you're a liar. There will be people calling you names. There will be people saying you're out for fame or money or whatever the case may be. You just have to be prepared. Your your privacy is will be thrown out the window the second you go public with this and. Um, took her a while to sit on it, and I think I think she's still sitting on it. I honestly don't know what's going to happen, so we'll see. But anyway, thanks to Emma and Claire uh, for coming on. I appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe and review in an Apple Podcasts. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, we will be back next week uh, with yet another podcast. So for Emma and Claire emma gray and um why am i blanking on claire fallon emma gray and claire fallon i'm reality steve thank you very much for tuning in and we will talk to you next week